You're listening to the Renegade Blitz Podcast, a podcast for Steelers fans by Steelers fans. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz, read articles on RenegadeBlitz.com, and like us on Facebook. And welcome back to the Renegade Blitz Podcast. I'm Ty Polk, joined by Chris Ward, and we're here because it's Ravens Week, Steelers versus Ravens preview podcast. And one of the big things that's happened overnight is the uh, Instagram activity of Cam Sutton. It it seemed to really spark trade rumors just out of nowhere. And when you think about the Steelers situation with the cornerbacks, it's like they have a pretty good thing going with Mike Hilton and Cam Sutton. Uh, I think it's arguably the most deep secondary, at least in the cornerbacks position that the Steelers have had in a while. Yeah, uh, late last night, Sutton on Insta- his Instagram posted uh, like a peace sign emoji. And uh, uh, and then the, the following post, he said, uh, stay tuned. So uh, it got Steeler fans thinking, like, you know, what's going on? Is, like, he on the trade block or not? Uh, and then he made a final post a little bit later on where he had, like, a okay emoji hand signal and said, uh, yes, sir. So uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, uh, you know, what was – obviously it wasn't football related because uh, – you know, a bunch of reports that came out today, uh, you know, Jared Dulac and Pittsburgh Post that said that, you know, the Steelers have no plans of trading. So, and, and he was at practice today in meetings, and you could see on Steelers.com that, uh, you know, there was pictures of Sutton. Yes, he was a full participant. It's just weird because, yes, the, the need for a new inside linebacker after the injury to Devin Bush is a big thing, but Spillane filled in pretty well. It's always nice to have more corners in this league in which you're going four wide, five wide sometimes. It just felt weird for that to just to come out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't see why the Steelers would, you know, want to trade him, you know, especially him coming off a, a good game against the Titans. You know, he had an interception against Cleveland uh, the, the week prior. So, um, yeah, the, and he's, he's doing well. Like, he filled in really well for Hill, and he's an extra defensive back that they could use, uh, you know, he his contract runs out after this year, but um, you know, so you know, people it got the whole Twitter, you know, Twitter, social media was you know in uproar yesterday, you know, seeing that uh, seeing Sutton's post, so it got Steeler fans. They were obviously worried. Uh, you know, I saw some people suggesting that oh, maybe they're trading Sutton and a pick for a linebacker to you know help replace Devin Bush, who's out for the rest of the season with an ACL injury. So, yeah, that definitely was a interesting uh, news or whatever you want to call it that happened last night. It was interesting to see because Vince Williams just posted about an hour ago a peace sign and the Steelers hazmat squad was suddenly going, oh my God, is Vince Williams getting traded now? And it's just like Vince did really well, has been a part of this team for a while as a starting middle linebacker. And it was just like, come on, guys, let's calm down a little bit here. Uh, I think I think by that point, you know, just hearing from the uh, what the reporters were saying, and every, you know, Vince Blaine probably just saw it, you know, on social media, you know, was mocking, you know, Steelers fans for thinking that, you know, maybe Sutton was on the trade block and stuff, and and you know, like we said, like who knows, like what he what he meant by the post, but uh, you know, with the trade deadline coming up on November third, uh, it definitely got fans thinking. And besides, if the Steelers really wish to go after another middle linebacker, I mean, I was. I was looking at your old employer uh, behind the steel curtain. They were saying uh, Deion Jones from Atlanta, but the most viable person that we could acquire was Avery Williamson from the New York Jets. And I was seeing that Williamson for a seventh. I'm like, you're not trading away anyone. Why not? Yeah. I I don't, yeah. I don't know if they would be able to pull that off for a seventh, but. I don't. It, there's not much out there right now, you know, especially for in, uh, inside linebacker and, you know, with COVID going on, everything. I think teams are really, you know, they're being cautious about bringing new players in and, you know, having them travel to Pittsburgh or they they, they want to have someone that they're comfortable with and that they they they're familiar with, like they did with uh, Jordan Barry bringing him back. But I think another reason why that trade rumor got so much hype is because when you just look at the Steelers' contract situation going into the next offseason, it's a murderer's row of unrestricted free agents. You got 
Bud Dupree, Juju, Alejandro Villanueva, Mike Hilton, and Cam Sutton, Matt Filer, James Conner, Chris Worley, Tyson Alulu, Zach Banner, Jordan Dangerfield, Sean Davis, and Josh Dobbs. Restricted, so if you're wondering, is Ola Denyi, and exclusive rights are Marcus Allen, Robert Spillane, J.C. Hassenauer, and Ray Ray McLeod. So it's going to be a different Steelers lineup next year. There's no doubt about it. But the question is, who's going to go and who's going to stay? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting offseason. Uh, like you said, there's going to be a lot of turnover. And, uh, you know, we'll see what they do with Mike Hill. And, like, are they going to give him that big contract? You know, he's been having a great start to his season here. Or is he going to go in a free agency and then, you know, uh, re-sign Sutton because his contract's up after this year as well? It's going to be interesting to see how the Steelers really try to do the cap gymnastics. And uh, one person on our Twitter followers was going, how are we going to pay Bud Dupree? And that's the million-dollar question. We're going to have to get a capologist and maybe someone who knows how to uh, move around money to yeah. really explain how can the Steelers keep a certain player by doing this, this, and this, and this, and getting rid of this, this, and that, and that. Yeah, I mean, Bud Dupree, I mean, he's going to get paid this offseason, and, you know, big time. And, especially, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, how are you going to pay him? Like, are you going to pay him $16 million-plus a year? Uh speed uh you know the number one wide receiver uh so they, they definitely have some uh, big questions you know this coming off season uh as far as the cap and stuff you know i'm the wrong person to ask about that i'm not I, i'm mathematically challenged when it comes to that <laughs> you're looking at a guy that turns the cap off whenever he plays man the last time <laughs> i was willing to play gm games was nfl head coach 07 with bill cower on the cover Okay, yeah, I remember that. that that's, a, that's a real throwback right there. <laughs> they only made one edition of that game, right? They made two. The other oh, one was two. 09 with Tony Dungy. Oh, Tony Dungy, okay. I remember playing it, and it was, uh, it was an okay game, but I mean, uh, what did you think of it? I actually got it twice for the PS2. I wanted it for the Xbox. So for, like, until I managed to get my cousin's PS2, I never played it. It was a Christmas gift, actually, believe it or not. I mean, it, it was just like it was the first football strategy game you could potentially get. So I was intrigued by it. But the problem is PS2 load times are just insane. Okay. On Xbox, it would have been 30 seconds. PS2, it felt like it was at least three minutes. Well, let's think about another segment, another thing to talk about to get us a little bit happy here. Because, man, that was just all doom and gloom. Yeah, talking about the future of, uh, you know, potential players that are, you know, you know, loved by Steelers fans. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster, who was, you know, a fan favorite in Pittsburgh. So I got an idea. Why don't we talk a little Ravens? Yeah, you know, Steelers-Ravens week. I mean, uh, I, I, I might be biased, but I think it's the, the best robbery in, in all of the NFL. I mean, the games are just so close all the time. It's just amazing. And, uh, you know, they're always tight, go down to the wire. Uh, physical games, you know, you know, nothing really dirty. They're they're always you know clean physical games. Well, uh, if you want to know how close this game can be, since 1999, these teams are dead even. 46 games played, 23 wins apiece. Baltimore has a slight edge on points per game, 20.3. The Pittsburgh's 19.5, but it's going to be interesting to see if that number creeps up a little bit and the Steelers get over the points per game hump but for now let's go talk to our guest about Steelers versus Ravens and we're excited to bring in Jameson Hensley ESPN NFL reporter for the Baltimore Ravens Jameson how are you doing doing very well how are you guys doing tonight we're doing great it's always exciting Steelers versus Ravens uh, there's nothing like it, honestly. I mean, it's it's my two favorite weeks of the year is, are these, and it. I mean, it's kind of crazy because these all these games they're played by the same rules. I mean, you have players that are you know very caliber, similar caliber players all over the league, but when these games are played, it just seems like they hit harder. There's more intensity. Uh, it almost feels like this is the closest thing you're going to get to a playoff game in October. 
And I, that's what makes it so exciting for me is because we've seen time and time again, even when they play in September or October, when these guys just, I mean, they go at it. I mean, there is a lot of bragging rights involved. Uh, I think this kind of takes me back to more of kind of your high school, college days where they're for both sides, the Seals and Ravens, they're the one team that you do not want to lose to. And what's great is that they play twice a year. And let's talk about that. Uh, it's always a big game, no matter the record, but six and zero Steelers, five and one Baltimore Ravens. What's the energy level in the locker room been like? And especially after the Ravens good starts after bye weeks. Yeah. And I, I think what the Ravens kind of their mindset has been that, you know, they've had a good start. They're five and one. It's only the third time they've been five and one in their history. The only other times have been Super Bowl years back in 2000, 2012. But the way they have played, uh, and I mean, they, it's kind of the expectations they built last year when they were 14 and two. So, I mean, they have been beaten teams sometimes by two, sometimes by three scores, but they don't feel their offense is clicking like it did last year. Uh, they don't, they think their defense has had some lapses, even though they lead the NFL in fewest scores, fewest points allowed. They've had lapses like the end of the Philadelphia game uh, against the Kansas city chiefs. They don't feel like they played very well. Uh, they are looking kind of at this game uh, as a rivalry game, but also kind of as a measuring stick game uh, because Steelers are undefeated. And the last time the Reigns played any team of this caliber. It was against Kansas City Chiefs. It was on Monday Night Football. Uh, and they, they, they played one of the worst games. You know, it was the worst game of the year. So I think they want to kind of vindicate themselves and see how good they really are by playing the Steelers. And I think that's what they are kind of looking at. How good have – how much have they improved since that Kansas City game? And also, uh, maybe it's a game like this that can kind of – get them where the intensity comes. Can they get both sides of the ball playing up to expectations? I think that's kind of the feeling in the locker room. Yeah, and James, when you talk about the Ravens offense, it revolves around the reigning league MVP and quarterback Lamar Jackson. The, Ra the Ravens are the top rushing team in the league uh, this year, averaging 164.3 yards per game. And the Steelers ranked second in run defense, out, allowing just 68.8 yards per game. How, how can the Ravens attack, uh, you know, the Steelers defense fairly differently than, uh, you know, other teams who have struggled uh, running the ball against them. I think a lot comes down to the, their run option uh, because that's what makes the Ravens a little different than other teams. It's that you have the threat of Lamar Jackson running the ball and he hasn't really, he hasn't run the ball as much as he has in years past, but having that threat that causes defenses where normally when the, the quarterback is not a threat to run the ball, it's 11 on 10. Um, you have that extra man uh, to go and really attack the offense. Uh, I think with Lamar Jackson, with that threat, you can't do that. And I think we're going to see, and this is kind of my expectation going into this game, you'll see Lamar Jackson run the ball more this game, especially early to kind of say, hey, I am still a threat running the ball because he hasn't, he really hasn't shown as much. He's had a couple of big gains but he hasn't shown consistently that he's willing to run the ball. Um, and I think that's what's going to be. If, if he can run and at least stretch out the defense, because Lamar Jackson is their most explosive player hitting the edges. If he can stretch out the Steelers' defense a little bit, maybe then they can start hitting on the inside runs. What's going to hurt the Ravens is that Mark Ingram, he didn't practice Wednesday because of an ankle injury. There's a chance he could come back and practice. But still, he is, this shows that he is not 100%. That could fall a little bit more as far as workload on rookie uh, second-round pick J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. And when the Ravens didn't have a healthy Mark Ingram uh, against the Tennessee Titans, uh, they, they struggled offensively. So uh, this, even though Mark Ingram isn't hitting that Pro Bowl level right now as he did last year, that still could be a significant loss for them. So uh, I think what you're going to see is that the Ravens are going to maybe try to attack the edges early then try to hit some big runs up the middle. But without a Mark Ingram, it's going to be a much bigger challenge to do so. It's one of the many reasons I love Lamar Jackson, his running ability, and also the fact that he makes EA Sports actually do option runs. <laughs> right. But, you know, with, with Jackson, uh, it's been big trust this year in the passing game for him. But despite 
he he's done pretty well. Ten touchdowns to two interceptions, but they're last in the league in passing yards. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a last ranked team. How does he get his production in the passing game? Yeah, a lot. His most where he's most effective is in the red zone. And so that's where you see a lot more of the touchdowns and, and not many interceptions. I will say uh, he that's what has impressed me as a young quarterback is because we've seen so many young quarterbacks, especially in this division, uh, where they have struggled as far as throwing too many interceptions early on. Lamar has been very, very good with that. And as far as decision making and where he's throwing the ball, a lot of it comes back to a lot, what the assistant coaches talk, constantly talk about Lamar Jackson's vision, that he just has a an innate feel for where the leverage is, where he can fit balls in, things like that. But also the big reason why they're last in the NFL or 31st in the NFL uh, in throwing the ball, they're only above the New York Jets. And and as you know, you don't want to be anywhere close to the Jets in any kind of statistical category. That is a bad thing in the NFL these days. But for, for Lamar Jackson is that it's consistency. You look at the completion rate. It's much, much further down. You look at yards per attempt, also much farther down. So he needs to, if you look at his career, if Lamar Jackson can complete over 55% of his passes, I think he's only lost one, one game in his career. So as much as we talk about Lamar Jackson being so electric, and believe me, he is. I mean, when he has the ball in his hands and you don't know if he's going to throw or run, dynamic player. But he's when he is also efficient in throwing the ball, that's where I think the Ravens are just as dangerous. And I think where you're seeing is he's got limited options. You have Hollywood Brown on the outside as a wide receiver. You have Mark Andrews as a tight end over the middle. They traded their third option, Hayden Hurst, uh, to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they got that draft pick. They, they used it to get J.K. Dobbins. But still, when defenses look, all they want to do is shut down Hollywood Brown on the outside, Mark Andrews over the middle, they want to have Lamar Jackson forced to go to his other options. And when they've done that, that's where Lamar Jackson has struggled this year. And um, you know, speaking of uh, Dobbins, uh, he was taken after Claypool in uh, this year's draft, and it caused a little uproar with Steelers fans because at the time, you know, they were looking for a running back possibly because uh, James Conner had um, some, you know, injury issues. Right. Uh, or, you know, staying healthy and everything. But Claypool has been, you know, spectacular so far this season. But uh, how's Dobbins looked this year? And, and would he take the main role uh, at running back if Ingram can't go on Sunday? I mean, please. I mean, the worst thing you can ask me is is about the Ravens running back situation, because I can't I don't understand. it. I mean, I just can't. I mean, the, 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 what I try to explain to people is that you can't make any kind of reason out of this. Uh, J.K. Dobbins in his first game against the Browns scored two touchdowns. Since that game, he has gotten zero carries in the red zone. So you you have a game where he scores two touchdowns. He doesn't get another touch in the red zone since then. So, I mean, it's it's hard to to kind of reason what they're doing here. I've constantly asked their offense coordinator, Greg Roman, what's kind of the plan back there? And he said, it will vary from the hot hand. It'll vary for if they're a style that they're going to try to attack an opposing defense. But if, if Mark Ingram is limited or can't go, you can pretty much expect a straight down the middle split between carries and touches between J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, where they really like J.K. Dobbins a little bit more than Gus Edwards and Mark, Mark Ingram is in the passing game. They really like uh, Dobbins as far as catching the ball out of the backfield. I think that's where he kind of separates himself uh, from the other two. But right now, I looked just earlier today, kind of the snaps overall this year at running back for the Ravens. J.K. Dobbins has had the most at like 130. Gus Edwards is second at 123. Mark Ingram's down at third at 104. Some of it is because he didn't play much against the Eagles because of the left ankle injury. But still, it just kind of shows you that it's pretty even throughout the whole time. They, they've kind of divvied up this the, the touches very evenly. I'm not sure if I'm really on board with that because I think running backs, especially a, a veteran like Mark Ingram, he needs to have carries early to kind of establish the rhythm. I just, even though the Ravens have, by numbers, they look like they've run the ball really well this year, I just don't think they have clicked or found a rhythm as far as a running game this year. Well, you mentioned earlier the receiving game, Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews, they have most of the targets and the yards here, but 
We're interested in the other receivers. Willie Sneed, Devin Duvernay. I know he's primarily the special teams guy. Miles Boykin and the man who throws up the X, Des Bryant. <laughs> We're really interested in that. And is there a chance that we see Des Bryant this Sunday or at least sometime in the next month as we do face these guys for Thanksgiving? Yeah, I think he, there's a shot for the Thanksgiving game. I would be very, very shocked to see him play uh, th- this week. I mean, he has to kind of get into football shape. Um, and he looked good at the workout from what I've, I've been told. Uh, but still, what I kind of go back to is the last time Des Bryant played an NFL game, Lamar Jackson was throwing touchdown passes at Louisville. So there has been kind of a, a little bit of a stretch for, for, for Des. But uh, there is a reason they brought him in, and that's because – specifically Miles Boykin. He is a third-round pick from a year ago. Past two training camps, he's looked really, really good. And the expectation was, okay, Miles Boykin, he's 6'4". He can kind of give you that physical presence that complements a Hollywood Brown on the other side, you know, who's extremely fast. Boykin only has 11 catches this year. And in fact, I mean, outside of Hollywood Brown and, and Mark Andrews, there's nobody else that has more than 11 catches on this team. That's why you bring a Des Bryant in. But I saw Des Bryant out of practice today, and what was kind of interesting was he wasn't wearing his normal 88 jersey. He was wearing number 11 because he's actually Chase Claypool in the scout team. He is the scout team, Chase Claypool. So, I mean, that's what – I think that really shows, at least for me, that when you look at Des Bryant and how badly he wants to come back, that he's willing to say, I'll be a practice squad guy. I'll work the scout team. Just give me a chance somewhere down the road. And I think that's going to happen. Uh, I think this is more than just, hey, they want to kind of get Miles Boykin. This to motivate Miles Boykin, bring in Des Bryant. You just don't do that. Um, I think it's a, a more realistic thing of, of a, a target date as far as next week they play the Indianapolis Colts. That's a possibility. I really think within three weeks we're going to see Des Bryant out there. And I think best-case scenario for the Ravens, is that he becomes that third option. And he, there's no one's under the pretense that Des Bryant's coming in and he's going to be Des Bryant of three years ago and he's going to be the number one receiver. I don't think that's going to happen. But he can be that number three target. They need to have a complementary target. They don't have a guy like a Des Bryant who can catch those, those, those 50-50 balls or those passes in tight windows. That's what I think he can bring to this offense. No, uh, with uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, he's been sacked 15 times this year, uh, putting the Ravens in the middle of the league and, and sacks allowed. The Steelers lead the league in sacks with uh, 26 uh, so far this season. Uh, so, so how can you see the Ravens uh, slowing down that Steelers pass rush? Well, I think they're hoping to do a lot better than last time. Yeah, Lamar's only played one time against the Steelers. He got sacked five times, three interceptions. He did have, the, the I think, a fourth-quarter comeback with, as far as the drive, and they eventually won in overtime. Uh, but still, it, it was – it was not a good performance by Lamar Jackson. That was really one of the points where, as far as early in his career, I thought he actually looked like a young quarterback for one of the few times uh, against that game. So they've already talked about it. They have looked at that game a lot, and they want to kind of learn from that. Uh, again, it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to establish the run a little bit more early and then maybe take some shots deep downfield. Uh, if they can kind of get that loaded box, which they've seen, they face a lot this year, uh, I think they feel – that if they can hit two or three big plays, that could be the difference in a game that they feel is going to be a very defensive-minded one in this one. So, uh, yes, they're going to need to to protect better. And it's kind of funny because this offensive line is returning four guys that started last year. And I thought the offensive line was the underrated strength of this team. The one guy they're missing is Marshall Yonda at right guard. And he is a potential Hall of Famer. But still, if you would tell me, missing a guard that it would affect the entire offense in such a way that it has this year. It's amazing. I mean, losing Marshall Yonda, uh, when I talk to a lot of people of why this offense is not hitting on all cylinders as they did last year, they say losing Marshall Yonda affects them as far as the leadership. They said on many plays, Marshall Yonda would block two or three guys on, 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 on one, one run. So uh, that's what they're missing out of him. Uh, and they've tried to replace him with a rookie third-round pick in Tyree Phillips. He's done well. He's gotten banged up here and there. But still, until this offensive line can come together and play even close to the level they did last year, I don't think you're going to see 
the level of consistency, especially against good defenses like the Steelers, that the, that the Rams are going to have trouble going and, and really getting those long, long runs, playing, you know, drive after drive that we have seen so many times with Lamar Jackson, especially last year. Yeah, that was going to be my uh, follow-up, actually, about Marshall Yonda. Like yeah. you said, he's a great player when he was at the Ravens, and you know, probably, you know, future Hall of Famer. Just, you know, that was a big loss when they lost him. Uh, and, and, and it's not like they can call him back because uh, I did, I talked to Yonda uh, this offseason. He's already lost 60 pounds. I mean, he doesn't even – he looks nothing like – I mean, he it would be a struggle for him to play tight end these days. And uh, he went and he just started riding the peloton and the weight just kept dropping off. Now he's in Iowa where he's from, and he'll ride his bike to his father's farm, which is about 22 miles away. He's working on a farm. He's very happy. Uh, I'm still I, – I know Marciana wanted to leave this game healthy, but being 14-2 last year and not winning a playoff game, I thought that might have driven Marciana to say, you got Lamar Jackson, maybe one more year. But still – it was in his mind that he he didn't want to get injured. He wanted to leave on his own terms, and that's why he left. But the Ravens, Ravens are definitely missing Marshawn. The offensive lineman lost sixty. Uh, a lot of people wish they could lose weight like that. <laughs> but now let's you. get yeah, me me especially. But let's get to the uh, defense. Uh, the team acquired Yannick Ngakwe from Minnesota during their bye week for a sixth round pick reuniting him with one of my favorite defensive linemen from watching him in Arizona from their time in Jacksonville, Calais Campbell. The Ravens' defense is always a solid unit, and they have the fourth most sacks in the league. How can Ngakwe improve the Ravens' pass rush even more, starting with this game against the Steelers? Yeah, and I mean, this is a, a type of move that – Yes, it's going to help them now, but it's also going to help them down the road. And I'll get into that a little bit. But the the, the Ravens, where they've they really generate their pressure is through blitzing, and they have and they've done a good job of it. Um, but that kind of puts them at risk in the back end. And this year they put up a lot of sacks. But when you break down the sacks, their defensive backs, as far as corners and safeties, they have eight sacks this year. That's more than their outside linebackers. They only have seven. So they want to kind of have that shift around a, a, a little bit. And when you look at the Ravens' four-man pass rush, when they've rushed four men or less, since the start of the 2019 season, they have the fewest sacks in the league. So when they've left it up to their guys up front to rush the passer, it's been difficult for them to get – they've had to be very creative. And their defense coordinator, Dominic Martindale, is very aggressive. It's not like now they got Ngakwe, they're not going to blitz. That's not it but they don't have to blitz as much. And the Ravens know, and I mean, you look at <laughs> Lamar Jackson's record. I believe he's, what, about like 23-24 and was it four in the regular season? Three of those losses have come against Kansas City Chiefs. They're 0-3 against Chiefs. What they have seen teams now, they've been able to slow down Mahomes is with just rushing four men. And so now with Ngakwe, they feel like if they get matched up against the Chiefs again, now they have a defense that can neutralize him. So, yeah, Ngakwe helps their four-man rush now and, and should help them. And, and I think what you'll see a little bit is Pernod McPhee will play a lot of the, the early downs. Ngakwe, keep him fresh, be more of a pass rush specialist out there. Uh, but then in the playoffs, I think that's where they're really hoping that this trade pays off for them. And, and speaking about Campbell, uh, he has been a really good addition for the Ravens defense with uh, four sacks in six games. The front overall has been solid against the run as well, allowing 109 yards per game, which ranks 10th in the league. How, how do you see the Ravens' run defense uh, matching up against the Steelers' rushing attack, attack that's uh, led by James Conner? Yeah, and I mean, a lot – they have a great defensive front. And Clayus Campbell is such an underrated run defender. Then you also have Brandon Williams. Uh, when they have him in that lineup, it's just tough to run the ball against. And where the Ravens last year, it was one of the few times in franchise history, they finished the season where they allowed over four yards per carry. So that's why they went and they said, you know what? It's time. And it, it could have been easy. I mean, the Ravens overall, they finished fourth in the NFL in fewest yards allowed. It could have been easy for the Ravens to say, you know what? Let's just keep everybody intact and just try to improve person, you know, as far as just with the guys we have. 
they revamped that front seven. I mean, you they traded for Class Campbell. They signed Derek Wolf, a free agent from the, the Denver Broncos. Then they went out and used their first-round pick on Patrick Queen, a middle linebacker. He struggled against the Chiefs, but I think a lot of young players would struggle against that offense. It's kind of snowballed on him a little bit. But ever since, he has been a that prototypical sideline-to-sideline, fast middle linebacker. And I think as long as he keeps improving and they have the veteran leadership and the guys that know how to, as far as technique, kind of slow down the running game, uh, that's what has really improved, uh, the, I think, the Ravens' run defense overall. But we will, we will see because we know the, – the Ravens have even talked about this. Uh, yeah, Ben Roethlisberger is getting, the ball, getting rid of the ball very quickly this year, but they know in these types of games, a lot of it comes down to can you stop the run and force teams into third and long, and then you can unleash the pass rush. And I think that's kind of what their mindset is for this game. And you mentioned him a little bit. It seems like Patrick Queen is going to be another one of those Ravens linebackers that us Steelers fans are going to marvel over and also just be outright disgusted by. You can think of it, I can go all the way back to Peter Boulware, Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs. I can name them all. I watched football during the 2000s. But how has Patrick Queen looked in Baltimore? Yeah, and I mean, this is a player who is very confident. I mean, you'll, you'll hear him talk, and uh, he even said in training camp that he, you know, he's so confident in his speed that he's, you know, he'll love the matchup against Lamar Jackson in, in training camp practice. So uh, he knows his ability, but the Ravens also know he's a young defensive player. He's, in fact, he was the youngest defensive starter in Ravens history. He was 20 years old uh, in that season opener. But he's also young as far as being a starter because even at LSU, uh, he played behind Devin White for a long time, about a couple of years. Uh, when White left, Queen didn't even win that starting job coming out of, of kind of what the, the training camp for college. It took him about three or four games before he was even in LSU's starting lineup last year. So, again, a very young player, but what the Ravens like is that when he makes a mistake, he's usually going 100 miles an hour when he's doing it. And when you tell him about it, he usually doesn't do that same mistake twice. So he's kind of learning by, uh, you know, what he's doing, what he's not doing, watching film, things like that. But last year, the, the Ravens were just patchwork in the middle, which is different, different for them because in the middle of the defense, they've had Ray Lewis and C.J. Mosley for years. That's kind of been their 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 foundation. Last year, there was – LJ Fort, Josh Bynes, Patrick Onwasu. They were just trying to put guys in there that were you know, hard workers, but talent-wise just wasn't there. So they were so thrilled to have Patrick Queen fall to them in the first round. And now they're hoping he is going to be that next quarterback in that middle of the defense for years to come. Awesome. Uh, Another Suggs, man. Another 15 <laughs> years of that. <laughs> Yeah, no, the Ravens. They, that's one thing they do know how to draft on defense. Well, so do the Steelers, uh, linebacker-wise, yeah. but that's another thing. And, and James, uh, the Ravens—they they possess one of the best secondaries in the NFL with Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey as their cornerbacks, along with Jimmy Smith. And then you have Chuck Clark at strong safety and Sean Elliott at free safety. How, how have they replaced Earl Thomas, and and have they been missing him at all this year? No, I mean, it's been the kind of the classic of addition by subtraction. And I would give the Ravens credit. Um, and, you know, Earl Thomas just never really fit in with that. That As far as locker room, his just personality just was not – didn't mesh well with that defense. Um, and then when he punched Chuck Clark in training camp, you're talking about three weeks before the start of the regular season, and they cut him. And it wasn't like they had a guy – to replacing that it started, you know, at least one year. No, they, I mean, they have Deshaun Elliott, who had struggled to stay healthy. But they never questioned Deshaun Elliott's ability. It was more of his durability. And they thought if he could stay healthy, that he would actually be better for them because he was a team player. He, he would attend the team meetings. He knew what the defense was. There were so many times when Earl Thomas would have lapses because he would skip a team meeting or wasn't there on time. Uh, so that's why they said, let's go with the young guy, get rid of Earl Thomas, and it's really worked out. I mean, you, you have Deshaun Elliott and Chuck Clark are 
very similar players. They're hard hitters. Not, not, they're not really the center fielder coverage guys. They're more of that want to drop down in the box and, and really hit. Uh, but then you have <laughs> Marcus Peters, who's kind of like a ball hawk safety anyway, but he plays corner. And you have Marlon Humphrey, who's one of the most difficult corners you'll have out there. And the Braves rewarded him with a long-term extension. So, I mean, you have two of the top corners out there. And I think you have safeties who might not be household names, but they play hard and they know this defense. And yeah, they, they will create plays by with those hard hits, uh, but they might not be the most athletic. They might not have the best 40 times. They might not be physically the guys that you say, you know what, they are automatic starters in this league, but still they work in what the Ravens are asking them to do. And, and just a, a follow-up, um, will, will a cornerback for the Ravens travel with a Steelers wide receiver? Like, like will Humphrey match up with Juju? You know, he had that uh, strip fumble last year. Uh, you know, it was huge in overtime that led to the Ravens winning 26-23. Uh, yeah, I think you will. I think because now the, the, the Ravens, they've had some injuries along. The, the one area where they've had injuries is at cornerback. Uh, their nickelback, Tavon Young, was lost for the year in, by, in the second week of the season. Anthony Averett, who's kind of been a guy that's helped out fill that void at Nickelback, he's done for at least five weeks because he's had a shoulder injury. So Ravens are really down to three experienced corners. So you have Marcus Peters and Jimmy Smith will fill – they'll be the outside corners. Marlon Humphrey, who isn't your prototypical Nickelback, but he does – I mean, he he does so, so many things so well, uh, they're willing to put him in as a slot. So I think he'll be the guy for Juju – uh, but Marlon Humphrey, he, he's a little under the weather, did not practice today because of illness, nothing COVID related, uh, but they're just trying to be extra cautious. To, you know, I think Ravens and Wrestle League, if you have any kind of cold symptoms, they want you nowhere where they, I mean, even if it's not COVID, they don't want anybody else sick. So they just kind of sent you home. So uh, I expect Marlon Humphrey to be back either tomorrow or Friday. Uh, but still, uh, I think he, if you're asking me any matchup, I think Marlon on, on, on Juju Smith-Schuster is kind of the matchup to watch. Well, we had a question about um, uh, Justin Tucker. We've kind of had a little bit of a uh, a change in our special teams. We brought back Jordan Berry over the veteran Dustin Colquitt. So we'll ask, uh, because kickers are people too, we want to ask about Justin Tucker because he's great at what he does. Yeah, and what's, what's funny is that uh, I talked to Justin Tucker a year ago. And just basically how the NFL's most accurate kicker wasn't drafted, uh, wasn't invited to the combine. And actually, the Ravens brought him in as a tryout player back in 2012. And he had an issue. I believe it was, his, it was either neck or there was some other – there was some health reason that the Ravens wanted him to get checked out after his workout before they would sign him. So they sent him home. Well, after he left for that tryout, Justin Tucker got a call from the Steelers and they wanted to work him out back in 2012. And Tucker said, the Ravens, they want me to get this checked out. I want to try to show loyalty to them because they're the first team to work me out. And he showed faith in the Ravens that the Ravens would eventually sign him. But he did, in fact, say he had a chance to work out with the Steelers. And what would have happened with this rivalry if Justin Tucker would have ended up with the Steelers instead of the Ravens. I mean, that, that I think that would – I mean, even though we're talking about a kicker, uh, I think that would have maybe changed some of the franchise's success a little bit maybe over the years, over the past eight, nine years. Well, I think he'd be the one guy that can actually hit a, a 55-plus yard field goal in Heinz Field in the wind, which is almost a no-go. Uh, you can ask Jake Elliott of the Eagles about that. But we're also interested in this um, – LJ Fort was a former Steeler, and we have Chris Warmly on the team, a former Raven. How has LJ looked? And for the Steelers fans, because he's just been overshadowed by Tyson Alulu, what would Warmly bring to the Steelers if he got more playing time? Yeah, I mean, LJ Fort, they brought him in as more of a special teams guy. Uh, but because they really didn't have too many inside linebackers last year, they gave him a chance to play, and he's done really well. I mean, even this year, uh, in week two against Houston, uh, Marlon Humphrey, and Humphrey has been known for how he punches balls out. It's kind of like that peanut punch. 
Um, and LJ Fort picked it up, ran it for a touchdown. So he has a defensive touchdown this year. Uh, so he, he, I think he has exceeded expectations as far as what they, what they're bringing him in more of a special teams player. And now, I mean, he is in the rotation as being an inside linebacker for the Ravens. Now, Chris Warmly, the Ravens used the third round pick on him. Uh, they thought he'd be more of an impact player. Uh, I would say he is a solid rotational guy and, the, the Ravens just didn't think, thought, you know what, he wasn't going to turn the corner here. Could they get any kind of value? And that's why they made it. I mean, it's a very strange time when you have the, the Ravens and Steelers making a trade. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, but I think with Warmly, uh, you know, in that defense, he can be a very solid reserve. I don't think – I mean, if he has to go in and play, you know, 40 snaps as a starter – I don't think that's kind of a role that really suits him. But as far as a sub guy, I think you can be a guy that can really hold his own in that defense. Oh, so, so James, so what is your biggest concern for the Ravens in this game? And, and who do you think will have a big game for Baltimore? Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest concern for the Ravens is pass protection. Um, and, you know, going from the last time of allowing five sacks, uh, that, I think that that is a concern for, for the Ravens. And it, it seems like for the Ravens this year, they've been more in third and longs than they've had. And whether it's the running game hasn't gotten started or them making some penalties, uh, if they get into third and, uh, third and nine, third and 11 against the Steelers, uh, Pittsburgh's going to make them pet. So I think that's the biggest concern for the Ravens in this game. Um, I think as far as a big game, I could see Marquise Hollywood Brown. And um, I think for them to win in their mind, they're not going to be able to, against this Steelers defense, have these eight, nine, ten play drives. They know they're going to have to have some quick hitters. And the guy that is the most explosive talent as far as the passing game is Hollywood Brown. So I think that's that's the guy. If the Ravens are going to win, he is the player who's going to have to have a big game for them. And we always ask our guests when they come on the show, what is your prediction for the game, if you have one? Yeah, I mean, if – we were talking if the if it was the original schedule where these teams were playing last week and the, if they were both having buys this, you know, right now, uh, I would probably say the Steelers were going to win this game. But because the Ravens got that buy, and under Harbaugh they are ten and two following buys, so they liked having that extra week of preparation. They liked getting those guys healthy. Uh, I see the Ravens winning this game. 27-20. I still think in Thanksgiving, it's going to be kind of the role reversal. I think the Steelers are going to have the better end of, of the Ravens on that time. But I think the bye week is a – it's a, you can't underrate it in, in, in kind of because you have two teams who are so closely matched. I think any kind of advantage like that, I think, plays a difference in this game. So I have the Ravens winning 27-20. And also one more question to add on because we've had Teron Davenport on. We've had – Drew Doherty for the Texans. And we're interested to know how reporters are handling COVID. How's it going for I mean, you? It's, it's very different. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, it's very different. I mean, because uh, I'm not traveling at all to any of the games just because after games you get, you get them on zoom. So it's, it's really no other than going to the game and, and getting a press box view. Uh, there's really no advantage to, to be going to the game. So I, I'm not traveling, which is just very, very strange. For, for for me but um and again you you don't even during the week when you get these zooms you don't you don't get the pulse of the locker room like you would if you're in there you know for 30 40 minutes on wednesday thursday and friday so um i'm covering the team but i don't feel like uh i know the team as well as i have been in past years just because you you have this barrier right now because of that so hopefully next year uh, you know, more access. Uh, you can kind of talk to players more at length. Uh, that, that's kind of my hope going forward. No chance on going up the uh, highway to come up to Pittsburgh. I've taken that road, Pittsburgh to Baltimore <laughs> and back plenty of times. Oh, and, I mean, I used to, I covered the division, the AFC North for the ESPN. Before ESPN had a reporter for every single team, I covered the division uh, back in 2010. Oh, I'm sorry, 2011, 2012. Um, and I actually would even take the short Southwest flight to Pittsburgh. Uh, it would be it would be like 30 minutes. I mean, you would go up in the air and come down. But I mean, I would know. 
I mean, the stewardess, the flight attendants knew who I was on that flight because I took it so many times. Uh, the, the, the guy at the national rental car at Pittsburgh airport, they knew who I was they, uh, you know, at the airport Marriott in Pittsburgh. They knew who I was. Cause I, during, when I covered the division, I was in Pittsburgh like five or six times, you know, at, for the one of those home games covering those games. So, uh, I'm very, very, very familiar with the, the Pittsburgh area. Come on, man. You can't be out there in the air right there. That's a drive. I've done that plenty of times. <laughs> I hate the turnpike. Drive. Oh, the turnpike kills me. Every time I – once I get the breezewood, I just like – I dread getting on the turnpike. I took the turnpike for the first time. I actually had to drive down for a uh, cruise last year. Always interesting to be on the Pennsylvania turnpike. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. But that's Jameson Hensley, ESPN NFL reporter for the Baltimore Ravens. Jameson, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, guys, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Had a lot of fun. Thank you. And that was a fun talk with Jameson Hensley, ESPN NFL reporter for the Baltimore Ravens. And Chris, I'm calling you Mr. Money in the Bank because for all but one, you have been on the money with every pick you've had since we've begun this podcast. Guys, I want you to go back and listen to the ending of every preview podcast. Chris Ward, he will get you paid. Get this man for your lottery numbers. If you come down to Rivers Casino or any casino, if there's a, I don't know if there's any casinos in Philadelphia, but I know the closest is Atlantic City, New Jersey. Guys, Chris Ward is your man. Chris, what's your prediction for this week? Well, I, I wasn't completely right. I, I was one point off. I had 27-23, and the, the final score was 27-24. I'm putting you over, man. Come on. Yeah, yeah you're, you're getting don't, too much don't be like Don't be like <laughs> me with Drew Doherty. Come on. Yeah, but uh, as far as this week, you know, I, I agree with Jameson uh, Hensley just because the bye week, I think that bye week's huge for the Ravens. You know, you know, 10-2 and two under hardball coming off a of bye week and 7-1 and, seven and one at home. I think, especially after a tough physical game against the Titans for the Steelers, I think this is going to be like the Steelers will recover from you know if they would were to lose because if you look at their schedule after this game, like there's a bunch of winnable games. So like if they if they were to lose, like it won't hurt them. They they just have to win that next uh, Steelers Ravens game at, at Heinz Field on Thanksgiving night. But uh, as far as the score, I'm like going like in the 20s probably because like that's where it seems like it's been going. And I want to say that uh, the Ravens win. Uh, 26 to 20. Well, this this seems like the game that the Steelers would probably have the most issue is as we as we know right now. Um, I'm going to be a little bit more positive and I'm going to do my first prediction uh, for for one of my friends who who kind of does her thing for PC TV. I said 31 17 Steelers for Titan Steelers last week. I'm. I'm going to keep around that. I'm going to say 31-24 Steelers. It, that, that's, that's a good uh, prediction. It, I feel like it has to be like, I don't think they'll score like over 31, but it'll be in that range of like 20 to 31 type, type of, you know, 30, 20 to 31 points. I, I'm going to probably put this on record. It could also be 29-24 because with Jordan Berry's performance last week, I think he's going to pin him deep. And I just have a feeling that this pressure could potentially make havoc for an option offense like the Ravens. So it's 31-24, but don't be surprised if you might see a safety. You heard it from me first. Okay, we'll keep that, keep that in mind uh, when we watch the game on, uh, on Sunday. But uh, who do you think is going to be the big performer for the Steelers? Uh, on offense or defense? Both sides of the ball. Both sides of the ball, okay. Uh, on offense, I'm going to go with uh, – I think Juju will have a big game, uh, you know, Juju and Johnson, I'll say. I think they, they'll both, uh, you know, as far as the receivers, I think they will have a big game. Uh, you know, it, it, this receiver, of course, so, like, deep. Like, it could be any receiver any week. You know, it could be Claypool. It could be Washington. It could be uh, Deontay Johnson or Juju Smith-Schuster. So, I think I think they'll get some uh, good yards through the air. I'm a little worried about the run game against the Ravens because they are they've always been stout against the run. I'll have to go with uh, Juju and Deontay Johnson on offense, and then uh, on defense, I'm gonna go with uh, we'll go with that pass rush. I think I think they have to uh, contain too, like stay in there, especially for a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who's versatile and you know could run and uh, you know throw on the run. So they definitely, you know, if it's man to man and you know uh, the the cornerbacks have their backs turned, they have to stay in their rush lanes and make sure that uh, he doesn't break free. 
For me, I'm thinking about going, it's going to be one of the two wide receivers, and it really depends on who Humphreys wants to cover. I know Jamison said that Humphreys is probably going to go after Juju again, but and if that in that case, I'd say Claypool will be the one with the big game. But also, I think there's probably going to be a Juju Smith-Schuster revenge game, especially after last year. It's like Humphreys owned him in that one moment, and that kind of really was just the story of the season for Juju Smith-Schuster. So expect him or Claypool in the wide receiver game to bounce back. Um, on defense, I don't know who's going to be the primary cover for Hollywood Brown. I want to say it's going to be Joe Hayden. So I'm going to say Joe Hayden, but largely whoever's the corner that covers Hollywood Brown. And again, I'm going to say for the podcast, Hayden is going to have a good game for the Steelers. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I named the pass rush, but I didn't really give a player. But if I have to go for with a player, it would definitely be T.J. Watt, who just, you know, been unbelievable this season. Uh, you know, you saw what he did uh, against uh, Tennessee on Sunday against Dennis Kelly. It was, you know, just knifing through there and, you know, using a swim move uh, and, you know, tackling Henry. Uh, you know, he had, three, he had three tackles for losses and, and a sack uh, against uh, Tennessee. So I think definitely uh, T.J. Watts, someone to look for. And then, I, I you know, I forgot to mention this uh, previously, but the tight ends, uh, you know, Mark Andrews is a really good tight end for Baltimore. And uh, without Devin Bush, it'll be interesting to see how, how they cover him. Yes, I think this is going to be where Spillane gets his respect in this town, hopefully. It's always exciting. It's Steelers versus Ravens. And, and I'm going to put that stat in there. Since 1999, the Steelers and Ravens, 46 games played, Dead even, 23 wins apiece. So someone's going to be the tiebreaker this Sunday, 1 p.m. CBS, M&T Bank Stadium, Baltimore, Maryland. It's going to be fun, guys. And that's all for us. For Chris Ward, I'm Ty Polk. Thank you for tuning in to the Renegade Blitz. Thank you for listening to the Renegade Blitz podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz. Read articles on RenegadeBlitz.com and like us on Facebook. Our podcasts are available on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.